Good morning and happy Mother's Day. For my message today, I have a very interesting scene in the Bible. It involves Jesus uh, going towards the cross and looking back at people that had rejected his wisdom, that had rejected the offer that he had given them of new life, they couldn't recognize the fact that not only was he God incarnate, but that his wisdom and what he brought was the very word of God. And in this scene of all of the images Jesus can grab hold of, all of the metaphors or analogies that he could use, he chooses that of a mother, and specifically that of a mother hand. This is found in Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus speaking and looking at people who rejected his wisdom said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and yet you were not willing. You know, God oftentimes in scripture is referred to as a father, and that tends to be the preferred methodology we find in the Bible, and yet often God's love is characterized as feminine, and you know that God is above male-female. God is bigger than our human sexuality, and Oftentimes, when we look at the nurturing part of God, the God that restores us when we've fallen, this feminine idea is helpful because it relates to how we understand mothers and specifically how maybe if we were lucky enough to have a really good mom, and I was, and I hope you were, if we were lucky enough to have a really good mom, the kind of wisdom that she could bring into difficult situations. You know, when things got tough, mom could not only teach us how to survive, how to recover, but mom could also teach us how to thrive, how to move forward. And so this morning, I wanna share with you um, this idea based on Christ's admonition that God is up there desiring to pull us close to himself and to offer us wisdom. And the first thing that God and a good mother would do is tell us about survival, that there is a nurturing nature to God's love that is lacking in bravado. It's lacking in platitudes. It is the deep love that a mother can give us. God is a God that is quick to listen and during this pandemic time, just as Jesus was looking at people whose fate was sealed, who were headed into a difficult season, I want you to know right now there is a God in heaven that loves you, that longs for you, that desires to nurture you during this difficult time, and that it's okay to feel scared, that it's okay to feel frustrated, because God deeply loves you. And like a mother hand wants to bind up the broken pieces of your life and bind them together. 
And you know, this isn't just some happy talk. This is a supernatural work that God does. If we would open ourselves up right now as we are in survival mode to the supernatural work the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life, you see, there is this external resilience, this power of God's invisible presence. We see it in nature. We feel it in our soul. And God, as this nurturing mother hand at this moment, would speak to you and say, take care of yourself. Get your rest. You know, I was on a pastor's call this week, uh, one of those mega Zoom calls with like uh, 80 people on it. And uh, our conference uh, superintendent um, was, uh, Paul Wilson was encouraging all of us as pastors. He said, I wanna let you know during this time as you're seeking to do self-care for yourself and survive, get your rest. And he said, I want to give you permission to take a nap. And God, like a loving mother, looks at you today and says, take care of yourself. Allow me to enter you into rest. There was a difficult story a friend of mine went through. Uh, I make it a very long story short. He'd had some growing up, had a, some issues, had married what appeared to be the dream uh, girl of his life. And it had turned out that the marriage had really hit some difficult situations and was going to end in divorce. Man, I love this story. His mom and dad were pretty religiously conservative. And one of the hardest things for him to do was to call up and to tell his mom uh, not only that his marriage had ended, but uh, that he needed a place to stay. So as he tells the story, as he's calling up his mom and he's beginning to slowly ease her towards the fact that his marriage is ending in divorce, even before he can mention what he needs, all she says is, come home. He can't even ask, and a loving mother says, come home. I love you, not I told you so, is God's posture towards us right now. And that I want to encourage you as you are seeking to survive, to tap into the nurturing love of God to take care of yourself, to take your naps, and that God supernaturally in his Holy Spirit says, come home. There's also an element to healing and recovery that a mother nurtures in us. Have you ever noticed that parents, when we're younger, parents always tell us these old stories and parables, and we're always sure that they don't apply to us. And then as we get older, we discover nearly everything our parents told us, that proverbial wisdom, turns out to be right, and it turns out to be true. As we're surviving this pandemic, we're entering many of us into what we would call the recovery zone. And I think about the proverbial wisdom that God gives us in Proverbs 38 through 9 that encourages us to keep falsehood and lies far from us to give neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread, Lord. Otherwise, I may, 
I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? After mom gives us uh, survival techniques, after mom teaches us how to feed ourselves, mom also is somebody who leans into us with very practical wisdom. And this proverb, this proverb from God falls right into that idea of the nurturing wisdom that God wants to give us. Because I'm going to tell you, there's something that needs to happen in our recovery. There's the voice of God that we need to listen to that is found in this proverb. And you notice in this proverb, the first thing it says is there are lies we have embraced. Before the pandemic, you and I were living in ways that were inconsistent with our faith. We all were. We had been seduced. Uh, into believing an Airbnb was a good investment. How's that investment doing now? We believe the financial prosperity that we had and over-relying on credit, we believe that that was going to last forever. And we lied to ourselves and deceived ourselves about the reality of life, which is life is an endless series of cycles and there are ups and there are downs. And life at the best, I have a friend who said this. He said, you know, even if you're walking well with God, even if you're listening to his commandments, if you're living somewhere an 80-20 where 80% of your life is halfway decent and only 20% of it is incredibly difficult, you're living a good life. But if you're like me, you probably during the up times deluded yourself. You thought it was going to go on forever. You thought the economy was going to stream. Markets were going to go up, up, up. We're all going to retire easily. We have to take a step back. Mom's wisdom says take a step back and look at the lies that you have embraced. There's a deep wisdom in this that, that, that the author of Proverbs says, if I have too much, I may disown you. Ooh. And if we were a, allowed to come under the wing of the mother hen, the mother hen may look at us in the sage wisdom that only a good and holy mother would have and say, you have had too much dessert. You've had too much affluence. You've become spoiled and self-satisfied. There is a complexity with too much stuff. There is an overscheduling that happened in our lives. I'll tell you this fascinating story. St. Augustine, uh, back in the 400 AD, 1700 years ago, plus or minus, he um, was talking about this woman in his church who had fled Rome during uh, Rome's destruction, the fall of Rome, which if you follow history, David Gibbon's seminal work, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, footnote, copyright, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Augustine talked about how this woman who had been very affluent had come over to Northern Africa where he was and had started going to church and he had remarked that her prayers were a shield defending against self-sufficiency. And that when the markets are up and everything is going well, we don't need mom's wisdom. We don't need dad's wisdom. We become self-sufficient. And this is what Jesus is tapping into when he's looking at the children of Jerusalem. 
He says, I long to bring you into an embrace. I long to give you my wisdom. I long to supernaturally be present with you. But you're self-sufficient. You're certain that you're correct, even though now you are going to be discovered as dead wrong. I recently saw a historical documentary. I've fallen in love with the Middle Ages uh, during the pandemic, and I've just gone headlong into uh, English and Scottish and Saxon history. I know you guys are dying of boredom, but it really fascinates me. And one of the things they were talking about was how if you took a typical European citizen from that age, frankly, for about the past 1,600 years, and you drop them into secular American uh, culture, the first thing they would notice is how completely we've rejected faith, how we have totally taken God out of the marketplace, how uh, there is such social pressure to be secular. And in looking at that, uh, they tie this to a lot of self-sufficiency, a lot of self-satisfaction that God is not our God, the stock market was our God, or our political freedoms was our God. Have you been seeing in social media, a lot of people think our constitution is our God. And this all comes down to this human condition where we want self-sufficiency. We don't want to listen to mom and dad. We want to go our own way. And you know what I think might be fun right now? Just to pause and to reflect either from your mother or your father. Just to pause and to thank God. I know no parents were perfect. But if you had parents that gave you any sort of wisdom, that led you against self-sufficiency and wanted you to rely on God, just to pause and to remember them and to remember that wisdom and for us to remember the faith of our mothers and our fathers, those of us who were lucky enough to have it. Because as St. Augustine said, self-sufficiency is a trap. Well, if mom were to sit down and talk to us and help us to recover, she'd have us confront the lies that we've embraced she would uh, talk to us about uh, self-sufficiency and instead rely on giving us our daily bread. You see, some we've been accumulating too much stuff, but others have the arrogance of not working enough. And whether our season of life was we were lazy and unmotivated or our season of life was we were trying to do too much stuff, both we need to slow down and get back to simple daily bread. That's why in Proverbs it said, don't let me be arrogant to try to store too much or arrogant to just think I can live in a prosperous economy and never really have to engage myself in, in hard work, but to learn to live in the middle. Mom would talk about the lies we've embraced Mom would talk about the importance of simple, basic, daily bread because isn't that the nature of mom? Uh, Dad, when it was my job to feed the kids, uh, <laughs> but there's something about a mother, that nurturing that says on a daily basis, and we even see this in the animal kingdom, right? 
We have birds in our trees that build nests and begin to feed uh, their, their chicks on a daily basis. And then finally, the proverb says that I may have too much and disown you. Ooh, you know, this proverb is powerful right now because it really, like a mother's wisdom, rejects the way you and I have lived. We have to have a season of reordering our lives and of truth-telling and recognizing that we've rejected God's wisdom. We've rejected God's balance. We've driven God's way out of our culture. And even those of us that claim to be Christ followers have been seduced by a culture that was too busy and overscheduled and overaffluent. I may have too much and disown you. As we move into the next section of what I want to share with you today, I just want you to breathe. And I want you to take a few moments to confess, like I am, that I've been guilty. I thought markets only went up. I thought real estate only went up. I thought job markets were always going to be easy. And I valued things over people. And my confession is, I valued busyness over God. Let's just stop and reflect on that for a moment. And picture Jesus up on a hill looking at you, calling you in, longing to bring you in, and longing to embrace you. There's another verse in the Bible where God looks at the children of Israel and says, I've not forgotten you. A mother holding a baby to her breast could sooner forget that baby than I could forget you. God remains with you and longs like Jesus to draw you in. The final idea is it is time to reframe the foundations of our life. This is the difficult work that we reject. Why do the children of Jerusalem walk away from the love that Jesus extends to them? Because we don't want the foundation to get torn up. We don't want to do the hard, deep soul searching that it takes to throw your arms open to the embrace of what Jesus wants to do in all of our lives. I heard this this week, uh, and to tell you the truth, I can't remember who I heard it from or else I'd give them credit, usually. But there are three reframing questions, foundations of your life that it's time to ask. And we need to ask these individually. We also need to ask them as a church. The first is this. What in my life do I need to preserve? As I look around at the essential issues of my life, what do I really value from the past that I need to hold on to? And I'm going to be very honest with you. It's about 80% less than what you think it is. This pandemic gives us an opportunity for self-evaluation and criticism and to look at the stuff like Proverbs says that we've held on to too tightly. What do you really value from the past and what needs to be gotten rid of? I bet you almost, I don't formally bet you, 
But I would imagine most people have done deep cleaning of their garages. Literally, as I'm recording this, my wife is upstairs cleaning out the closet. People during this pandemic, there's something that we know the world is changing and we've got to be willing to cut loose with some stuff. But this is also attitudes. This is also behaviors. This is also addictions. This is also ways of thinking, jobs. Everything has to go on the line and very few things need to be preserved. But ask yourself, what is that essential, essential parts of my life as I reframe my foundations that I want to preserve? The second question, and this question excites me. What new thing do I need to create? There is an opportunity as I reject uh, the former world that I lived in, as I evaluate and I criticize, that I also think about new systems, new relationships, and a creative new world that God wants to bring you and I into. You need to be asking yourself questions about your profession. You need to be asking yourself about how you integrated faith into your life. You need to be seeing this as a grand and bold new opportunity to do something big and grand for God. And I want to let you know at Rancho Vista Church, we're going to begin uh, a whole new adventure that I'm calling The Bridge. And later on, I'm going to begin to share information with you, but we are not going to hold on to anything from the past at Rancho Vista Church there is a brand new world that we're living in and we have got to be ready to create something new. And there are no sacred cows. We want to walk into the embrace that God is giving us now to give us new opportunities, new momentum and new energy and a new way to do things. And by the way, this is an invitation for all of us in every area of our lives to create something new. Your job will never be the same. Your family will never be the same, but that doesn't mean it has to be worse. It just means this is an opportunity to create something new. And then finally, and this is where I want to land today. Finally, I want to talk about that which needs to be discarded. Number one, you look in your life and you say, this is the stuff that needs I need to preserve no matter what. Number two, you look at opportunities for creativity and prayerful contemplation. And then the third, like that proverb, you look at wicked, wrong ways you've thought, habits you've had, behaviors you've had, baggage that has been carried for too long. And Jesus says and invites you to walk into his embrace to discard. Why, why did Jesus sit on a hillside and lament the rejection that people gave him? You ever wonder why? People saw Jesus, people saw Jesus do miracles and they still weren't interested. You know why? Because they had stuff that they didn't want to give up. That's why they refused a mother's embrace. Every time, oh, this is getting too honest. Every time I haven't called my parents to connect with them, it's not because I quote unquote didn't like them. It's just because I had other baggage. I was too busy caring. And until you're ready to take a hard look at your life and you're ready to cut out that baggage, the new life that God wants to bring to you is never going to come. 
what baggage needs to be discarded. I want you to join me in prayer. And as I pray for you, we're just going to pray over these three questions. What do I persevere? What do I create? And what do I discard? And as we think about these three items, I want you to imagine the Spirit of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the triune God looking down at you with arms open and saying, there's a new embrace waiting for me if you would just step into it. So join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we look over our life right now and first of all, we thank you and we hold on to the good things that you've given us. We are immensely thankful for the family relationships we have that are productive and strong, for the level of prosperity that you've given us, for the opportunities and the gifts, the spiritual ability to serve you. We look at parts of our life that we thank you for and we pause and we say to you is the glory and we value these things you've given us from the past. And then, Lord, we look at this scary world and we wonder what's going to become of it. And we realize that if we behave in faith, that if we're listening to your direction, if we open ourselves to your embrace, there are new systems just waiting to be created in your family, in your ministry, in your prayer life, at your job. There are new relationships that are ready to be created and built. There's ways of doing things that are going to be more productive, more joyful, more fulfilling. They're going to feel like the embrace of God. And you need to dream and pray and move in that direction immediately. And then finally, for discarded baggage, the things we've carried for too long, the things that this pandemic has revealed in us, in our character. Bad habits, ways we look at money, ways we relate to God that need to be called out, addressed, and healed. Lord, I pray that you would bring a spirit of newness to us, that we would walk across the bridge and help others walk across the bridge from where we are across the bridge into the embrace of fully, of fully loving you and accepting your direction for our lives. We love you and we pray these things in your holy name, Lord. Amen. Hey, everybody. I want to share a quick message as we prepare to receive this morning's offering. You know, my daughter the other day, uh, we were sitting out in the backyard and she offered to go to Trader Joe's and to get groceries for our family. And when I asked her how she wanted me to pay for them, she said, Dad, I'm part of this family and I want to contribute. Coming from a college kid, that's a pretty notable sign of maturity. And the same holds true in our faith. You can talk about uh, how involved you are and how committed you are. But ultimately, the Bible teaches if it doesn't filter down to our finances, we're not really getting the gospel. 
That's why the next thing I'm gonna tell you to me is so important and so shocking and so inspirational. I've been in ministry for uh, over 30 years and I've seen the highs and I've seen the lows. 9-11 was a pretty difficult and challenging time. The 2008 collapse was a pretty challenging time. But obviously, when this global pandemic broke out, we faced insurmountable challenges. And I wanna give you a report that I just received this week. In the month of April, this church, not even meeting, this church did not meet its expectations. It did not match what we did the month before. We exceeded and possibly had the best giving month in the month of April than we have all year, even though we're not meeting. And as a leader, as somebody that's given my life to ministry to you, to teach you to be courageous, to teach you to be generous, to teach you to live a life of faith, not to talk it, because talk is cheap, but to live it. I'm gonna tell you, I have rarely been this proud of my church family that in a difficult pandemic, where things are falling apart, we have stood together powerfully. I love the chirp of birds. And I wanna personally thank you now, I know that because this goes out on social media, there's some that think this is going to sound like a televangelist. Uh, I know other people will think, don't tell them when things are going good, they'll let up on the accelerator. But I'm going to tell you something. I now feel a greater commitment. I'm more inspired for us to keep doing what we're doing, to take care of seniors, to put gospel messages of hope out through the internet, to totally rethink the things that we do. I'm motivated and I'm inspired. And we're gonna to continue to go big because during difficult times, this is our moment to show faith. And I wanna personally thank you. I wish I could reach through and personally thank you for your belief in our ministry and your faith. Faith during a famine, faith during a pandemic. And I wanna to commit to you that we are going to continue to go full steam ahead into dreaming and thinking about new ways Jesus can further his ministry through Rancho Vista Church. Thank you for your faith and your belief in our ministry. And as I always say, only Jesus Christ is worth this commitment and this sacrifice, and to him be the glory. Dear Heavenly Father, as we receive these gifts, these are gifts not given for many of us out of uh, comfort, but these are sacrificial gifts in a world um, that is uh, shaking and shifting right now. Your faithfulness to us is never ending and I hold you, Lord, to your promises that you are a faithful and a good God and that you never let the righteous fall and that as David said, I've never seen the children of the righteous begging for bread. Bless those who give these gifts and help us use them, Lord, to provide hope and comfort and resources to our community and to our world. And in your holy name we pray, amen. God bless you everybody and have a great Mother's Day.